Welcome to Unite Immigrant Families. I'm Rosemary Vega, an immigration attorney with over 20 years of experience uniting and keeping families together. If you are looking for immigration information, stick around and listen to me and my fellow immigration attorneys as we discuss what's new and debunk myths. Please note, this is not legal advice and no legal advice will be given on this podcast. Welcome to Unite Immigrant Families. Today we have Elise Wilkinson, one of the most wonderful immigration (laughs) attorneys in Houston, and she's one of my very good friends. Good morning, Elise. How are you today? I am very good, Rosemary. Thank you for inviting me today. Thank you for being here, and thank you for, you know, talking on our podcast. I am so excited to do this. (laughs) So today we're going to talk about traveling for the holidays. And, you know, so many people have families in other countries and they want to travel and see their family, especially during the holiday season. However, we have seen over the years that traveling for the holidays might get some people in trouble and maybe others not. So I wanted to talk about, you know, traveling for the holidays, who could travel, who really can't travel. Um, you know, at least immigration law is so complicated. And many of our listeners might be legal permanent residents, or they ha- are in the process of getting their residency, or they haven't started the process at all yet. Um, and it's really hard to determine if someone can travel or can't travel. So let's start with legal permanent residents. Do they have any restrictions on international travel? A lawful permanent resident is eligible for travel abroad. Uh, Within the United States, of course, that's never a problem. They just have to have documentation to get on a plane. But if they're going to travel internationally, they have to be certain that they have their permanent resident card and that it is not expired and a passport, and that the passport is not expired. What if their uh, LPR card, their green card, is expired? If the uh, permanent resident card is expired, they should have filed to renew it. And if they can get that receipt, plus their old card, plus the passport that is valid, then they could travel with those documents. Great. And what if they have they lost their card, it was stolen, or something like that happens. Are they able to travel at all? Well, if the permanent resident doesn't have his card, but he had his receipt to prove that he had applied for a new card, then he could uh, call the USCIS customer service and get what we call an info pass. That's a special appointment to go personally out to Homeland Security and at that time, he would take his passport, which is in st- which is valid and has not expired, and he would ask them for what we call an I-551 stamp. That is the evidence that he has permanent residence. Yeah. And, you know, in my experience, it's, it's kind of tough to get an InfoPass appointment. 
The clue on that, I understand, is that when you call customer service, you go through these little questions that they're going to ask you, and they will basically say, what is it you need? If you scream InfoPass into the telephone, you are sent over to a human being, and I believe that's the only way you actually get to talk to a human being officer at the customer service. Once you get that officer on the phone, they can tell you when... InfoPass uh, appointments are available. Great. Thank you so much, Des. That is valuable information. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope it works. <laughs> so, and, you know, we have people who um, may have had some pro- problems with the law in the past, maybe uh, been arrested or have maybe criminal convictions and they're legal permanent residents. Um, do they... Are they eligible to travel? Are there any issues with that? If if a client might have an arrest record or a criminal record, that particular person should go and have an evaluation done by an expert in immigration criminal work to be sure that if they did travel, they would not be put in removal proceedings when they tried to reenter. If you had a speeding ticket, something... Just the speeding ticket, that would not prevent you from traveling. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And let's move on. Let's talk about people who are in the process of getting their residency. They're adjusting their status, and they're, but it's all pending. They haven't gotten it yet. Are they able to travel? Yes. If they can meet the uh, requirements, they first of all would be filing an I-131 application, which can be filed with their adjustment package. Uh, This 131 application is to obtain an advanced parole document. The advanced parole document is the uh, it comes now in the form of a card if it's filed with the adjustment package. And that card shows that you have permission to travel. Whether they should travel depends on many factors. And again, if a person had had unlawful presence in the United States, that means you were here without any permission at all for any period of time, but for sure more than 180 days. What you want to do is have an expert attorney in the immigration field review your fact situation you don't want to just because the government gave you the document to travel think oh whoopee i can leave because the government can make mistakes and if the government accidentally approved your i-131 application and gave you the advanced parole document and you left and you really didn't have the eligibility for returning you would be stuck at the border so Anyone who has a a concern about unlawful time here, definitely speak with a private attorney, a specialist in that field, and do not travel until you secure information that will make you comfortable about leaving and returning. Yeah, because even though someone has an advanced parole document, it's when they come back, that's when they're seeking admission into the United States. It's like they're knocking on the door of the United States asking to be let in. And that's anybody, anytime that they travel internationally. Exactly, Rosemary. There are some laws that do provide for you to travel. 
but my advice would be your risk is high if you have uh, anything in your history that you need to have checked out, please go to an attorney and have them examine the facts of your situation. Some laws will provide for you to travel on the advance parole, but some may not. So you want to be sure before you leave, you could get stuck outside and that would be devastating. Yeah. And so most people who have an adjustment of status pending, most of them have entered legally in the United States. However, there are a few who may have been grandfathered in under 245I, so they don't have a legal entry um, into the United States. So I'm not, are, are they eligible to travel? When you come into the United States without permission, we call that entered without permission, those people are inadmissible. Therefore, should they leave and can try to come back, most likely would run into a problem. That could be a case where someone uh, applied for an I-131 advance parole. They got it. They didn't know that they couldn't leave and come back. And when they hit the border, the border looks up their records and realizes that they are inadmissible. That would prevent them from reentering. So my advice, again, do not leave. If you've got anything in your history that you don't know the answer to, be sure you talk to someone who does know the answer. Just getting the advanced parole document is not ali ali awesome, freedom free. It does yeah. not mean that the government ha you know, really shouldn't have given it to you. You just have to double check on that. Yeah, and that is so true. Um, it's I have seen so many people who have traveled and then they really shouldn't have traveled and they end up in removal proceedings or they end up not being able to come back to the United States. Rosemary, I have a good story to share about um, one of my clients many years ago. He traveled to Canada and he was an asylee and he had obtained the refugee travel document, which is required for asylees to travel. It's their, their sort of advanced parole and he took it and he left, went to Canada and came back, was at the border, and the border people would not let him in, even though he had this travel document. And they finally did let him in on a deferred inspection, and he hired me. We went out to Homeland Security and talked to them about his situation and how he had a valid travel document. There was nothing wrong with it. And eventually they allowed him to stay. But that's a good example of someone who had the proper documentation, but when he presented it, they weren't familiar with it. They didn't like it for whatever reason. Maybe they thought his haircut didn't look very good that day. <laughs> but they really came down hard on him and um, prevented him. They held him for three days outside the country and yeah. I think it was Montreal or someplace. So, yeah, it, that's an example of just having the paper or the document doesn't guarantee you that you're going to get to come yeah, back. Yeah, that's that's a big one right there. That's a great story. Elise, can you tell me, I guess, what is advanced parole? What we we're talking about this word advanced parole. What is it? Well, in the olden days, the advanced parole was just a piece of paper that had your picture on it and it said you were eligible to leave the country and re-enter uh, for a period of either six months or a year. 
Uh, I think they're generally six months, but they could be extended to a year. So the advanced parole is just a piece of paper. However, today, the advanced parole, when filed with the adjustment of status, comes on a card that's uh, your work permit. And it says on the card, this is an advanced parole document also. Yeah, yeah. So thank you for that. And, you know, um, other people who might travel, who may want to travel, are people with TPS, Temporary Protected Status. And they might want to be able to travel back to see their grandma or mother or somebody like that. Can they travel? Yes, TPS people have eligibility for travel document. They would, again, also have to file the I-131 application. And, yes, they can travel. Um, they also need to be careful of any past history, that any criminal convictions, anything that might come up that would prevent them. Uh, suppose they got their TPS and then they had committed a crime. Yeah. yeah. Then they got the travel document. Then they left. No, they probably would get stopped at the border. So, um Again, can't say it enough. The travel document is just what it is. It's the permission to leave and come back, but it is not absolute in itself. You have to know the facts surrounding that person's history. And if the person has any question, then they definitely have to get professional advice. Yeah, I've actually seen that. It wasn't one of my clients, but I did a consult with someone years, years, years ago, and... Um, that basically is what happened. The person had TPS, but the TPS uh, was about to expire. He hadn't renewed yet uh, and got stuck in home country. Whoa, that's bad. Yeah. That's really bad. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I think it's also because he hadn't renewed. I mean, there are lots of factors to this. Yes, there are a lot of layers to the immigration law. People don't always realize how it's like intersecting lanes. It's very complicated. I sort of liken it to tax law. Yeah. Because tax law has so many twists and turns on it. It (laughs) It really does. immigration. It really does. So let's talk about DACA. You know, DACA is uh, very dear to my heart because I love, you know, I, I just think... This is my personal opinion, but I just think that they, you know, they grew up here. And so, you know, I wish more could be done for the DACA kids. They're not really kids anymore, but yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and explaining what DACA is, DACA is Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals is the actual real name. Yeah. And we also refer to them as the dreamers. They are the young people who came and before the age of uh, 16, and they lived here in 1972, am I right? No, uh, just before uh, 2000, it came into effect in 2012 to 2007. <laughs> Whatever. The, the, the dreamers are people who definitely have um, the ability to travel, but they are restricted. They can only travel if they're traveling for humanitarian concerns, for uh, educational reasons. Uh, Going back to humanitarian concerns, that would be like if you're going to meet your grandmother for the very first time or your grandparents were ill or someone in your family was ill in the other country and you had to go see them. And then uh, work necessity if your job required you to travel. 
The education would be if your school was taking a field trip and you were part of the school and you needed to go with the school. Those are restrictions for the DACA. And um, these, of course, would only be for people who have existing DACA. Right now, we aren't filing the DACAs because of a court order in the Southern District of Texas. Right. So only those who have current DACA and can actually renew their DACA are eligible for advanced parole. And so, and DACA kids can't go, can't get advanced parole to go on vacation? To go party in Cancun? Nope. No partying. (laughs) Not unless you have a sick grandmother who's over there (laughs) and you were going to go see her and then you just happened to fall into a party while you were there. You'd have to be, yeah, it's it's pretty restrictive. It it is. Yeah, yeah. It's, DACA's always been that way, very restrictive. What about, so you mentioned asylees earlier, and what about asylees? People who maybe have an asylum application pending, are yeah. they asylum, asylum is probably what I do the most in my law practice. And there is a possibility for a person with a pending asylum, not the person who already has asylum, but say a person is pending asylum, you want to know, can they travel? Yes, they can. There is the eligibility to apply for an I-131. Do we recommend it? Absolutely not. That is very, very risky. However, there are times when people absolutely must travel. And so, yes, they are. They can travel. It's just that we do not uh, recommend it. If they were to travel and go back to the country of their, uh, from which they're claiming persecution and claiming asylum, they will be presumed to have abandoned their asylum. They can rebut this presumption, but... It is a presumption, and that's one of the reasons it's so very risky. Uh, the one, the person who already has asylum, they can travel once they have achieved their asylum. They would obtain a refugee travel document. The, these forms for traveling are all done on the I-131 application. So if they have asylum pending, they can travel but it's risky, and they definitely should not travel to a And it's country. very rare. I, I think I may have done over 400 asylum cases in my lifetime, and I have never had anyone travel and return on an I-131. Okay. It's just extremely rare. Yeah, and if they've already been granted asylum and they want to travel, they can travel with their refugee document. However... They can't travel to their home country, correct? That's right. But they say their parents could meet them in Canada or meet them in Turkey or meet them someplace else. Then they can go yeah. on a travel document. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's great. So I guess those are all the questions I have today for traveling for the holidays. It looks like some people can travel. A lot of people can travel, but it's risky for many one, one thing we didn't mention, and people usually ask me, is how long does it take oh, if I file the I-131? Yeah. And um, I had one recently approved. She had waited for eight months. And if you look at the USCIS website, it's USCIS.gov, processing times. 
I-131 Texas Service Center, you'll see that they're going to tell you it's eight to 10 months. And that is not a for sure. (laughs) It could be longer or who knows? Sometimes we get them much quicker, but uh, that's in the world of USCIS. We never know when when they're going to pop out their responses, but that is what they say on their website. Yeah, that is so true. And, you know, traveling can be risky because like I mentioned earlier, it is every time you travel, you're, when you're trying to come back in, you're knocking at the door of the United States and saying, um, can I be let into the United States, please? And it's up to that officer who's going to look at your documents to decide. So that's why I say it's very tricky. It's very, very risky, but so it looks like with eight months to 10 months, not very many people are going to be traveling for the holidays if they're starting to look at applying for advanced parole, at least not this year. Yeah, it's a little <laughs> late this year, but maybe for uh, a wedding or graduation. If someone uh, wants to go to a wedding, what I usually do is put a great big pink sheet of paper on the front of the application saying, client wants to attend sister's wedding. And hopefully that would catch the eye of someone. If you have an extreme reason for traveling and a date specific, you're not just going for a, you know, vacation, so to speak. Yeah. If you have some date that you absolutely must be there for, I would highlight that with um, big letters on the front of it. So that the government knows there is a timeline here for you. Yeah. And you know, uh, so many people get noticed, oh, my, my mom is sick, my grandmother's sick, they're in the hospital, I need to go now. You know, with that time frame of eight to 10 months, oh my God. So, you know, my in the past, we could get an InfoPass appointment and go up to USCIS and show them that it's urgent. Is that still possible? That's a really good question, Rosemary, because with COVID, they have restricted entry into USCIS. I think for an emergency uh, paper like that, you could attempt it. You certainly would attempt it. Whether or not you'd be successful depends on who's guarding the front door that day. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, well, that's all the time we have really for today. Um, Elise, thank you so much for uh, talking to us. It has been wonderful, a great pleasure, and I hope it's very nice. And I hope everyone who can travel for the holidays has a wonderful time with their family. And those of you who can't travel, I hope you stay here and have a wonderful time with your good friends and family that live here. Great. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. Thank you for listening to Unite Immigrant Families. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want more information about me or my guest, please email me at uniteimmigrantfamilies at gmail.com. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. I hope you join us on this bi-weekly podcast. No legal advice was provided and none will ever be provided on this podcast.